Well, hello, MOPS leaders. I am so excited to be with you today. And I have an amazing guest with us, Ashley Abercrombie. I'm going to uh, invite you in today to talk to our leaders. And But first, I want to say a couple things. If you've watched some of our curriculum this year, you know that Ashley was one of and the people that we asked to speak on our curriculum videos. And we have heard such amazing things about what you shared with our audience. And I just wanna let them know, oh my goodness, from the moment you drove up and came into our office, we just had this amazing uh, time with you. We're really excited to welcome you back and have you on Connections, the podcast. So welcome, Ashley. Oh, I am so thrilled to be here. I feel like such solidarity with MOPS, obviously, not just because of my season of life, but I love the way that you guys lead. And I'm so proud of the good work that you're doing. I mean, mom life is so difficult at times and challenging. And to know you have people in your corner, I find this to be so incredibly important. And so thank you for the work that you do. And thanks for having me again. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's something I, I always share with people. I really do feel like I'm the luckiest girl in town. Like I love mm. what I do every day. Um, and we just have an incredible uh, staff. So it is a lot of fun, but it's important work. It's really yes. um, holy work. And we want many, many moms to know who, who Jesus is in their life. So um, I would love if you could just kind of tell our audience a little bit about you and maybe your own mop story, and um, then we'll get into our topic today. Okay. I'd love that. So I have three little kids. My oldest just turned seven. My middle one is four. And then I have a nine month old baby girl and she has nine teeth already. You guys, like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Who does that? So she's an overachiever already and making me very tired. So we, we rarely sleep, but my kids are such a delight. And it is, as many of you know, not been the easiest time to be a mom, especially the last 18 months and figuring out what to do with your kids and all the things. And so it's been, it's been challenging and I've learned so much about myself and I do love being a mother. And in addition to that, my husband and I live in Los Angeles and I write, I'm the author of a couple of books and, you know, just enjoy being with people and building relationships with others. And I also have a recovery journey that if you you've been with us on the MOPS journey, you know that, but I have 18 years of sobriety. And so that I hit that this year, which was a huge achievement for me. And so I, I just, um, I'd love to be able to help people in journey with them because all of us have issues, problems, and pain. <laughs> None of us are exempt mm. from that. And so I feel like it, it delights my heart to be able to remind people that they're not alone and that they're not alone in their struggles either. Not just that they have present people with them, but also like the struggles that we face are very common. And I think sometimes we can feel like we're alone in them, but the struggles we have as moms, the struggles we have as women are common. And I'd love to let people know that. <laughs> oh, I'd love that issues, problems, and pain. Um, yes. <laughs> On all of those, I think yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're human and you're walking around this yeah. planet, especially like you mentioned lately, uh, those things maybe seem to feel more present than they ever have in our mm -hmm. lives. And so, first of all, congratulations. 18 years is phenomenal. Yeah. With that has come, I'm sure, a lot of struggle and, like you said, yes. issues and pain. Uh, but also, I am such a big believer that when our hurt becomes the way that we can help others, we've mm -hmm. just turned the corner in how we get to partner with God. So, yes. um, thank you so much for showing mm -hmm. up in that way. Thank you. Well, today I have a really important topic I want to talk to you about. 
And when we were thinking, who do we want to, you know, have our audience listen to about this, you're the first person we thought of. And Mm. um, a lot of because of what you just shared, I think you just show up in the world so authentically. And so today I want to talk about what it means to lead and live really uh, with an open-handed posture. Mm -hmm. So I want to start by um, having our audience just maybe even close their eyes and just picture this for a second. Just you're sitting still and you're going to make two fists. So here you are, you're sitting and your hands are clenched together. Now, when our hands are closed tightly around something, whatever that may be, uh, you can't reach out. Mm. So if I open my fingers and I extend my hands, then I'm able to receive from you, maybe your help, maybe your wisdom, but also in turn, I can then help you with open hands. Mm. The second that I close them back, then it becomes very self-sufficient self. It's all about self. Mm -hmm. And so I just would love to talk through today what that looks like. Just maybe let's start with just your idea on open handedness. I love this topic so much. And I want to start with the story that just happened this morning, because I think it's a perfect example of how we do this, you know, the closed hand or the open hand on a very small level. So I was out of town the last couple of days. My mom is here staying with our family to help with the kids and just to visit with our children. She lives across the country and um, they had, we had had a dishwasher guy come in, which meant my kitchen was completely rearranged. So I walked in the things that are normally on the right side were on the left, like everything's out of place. And then I opened up the refrigerator and my mom had rearranged everything, like put the vegetables in one drawer, the fruit in another. And then in this bottom flat drawer, we have, I put all of our meats and things like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened in here? Like, why does everything look different? Like, and because I have this need for control in my day-to-day life. And Mm -hmm. I have this need, like, if I'm not careful, I will live with that tight fist and I want my way, even if my way isn't working. And so on a very small scale, I went to go make the lunch this morning to get my son ready. And I realized like mom's way is actually better. And so then I was like, mom, this is, this is great. Actually, it's better to have all this stuff where I can see it and not piled up in one drawer where it's so messy. And as silly as that is, I feel like it's one of those examples where I could have doubled down and moved everything back the way I like it and, you know, fixed everything. And there, there might be some room for that for some people who need the challenge of, you know, allowing others to not control you. So there, there is some need for that. But in that particular moment, what it was for me is I realized, you know what, I just wanted my way, but what if I just open-handedly said, God, you know what, there is a better way to do this. This makes my mornings easier. This makes lunch making easier, everything easier. And so I think to, to transition that into bigger things, you know, we are very tempted in our society right now to spend all of our time being cynical. Mm. all of our time being critical, all of our time being judgmental. And we don't open ourselves up to people who might be different than us, who have a different way of thinking, a different way of being. And sometimes we can close off relationships. We can, you know, not open ourselves up to the grace that can function when the relationship is reciprocal because of all those things. And so there's this fight all the time to sort of relax and not judge other people to hold, you know, ourselves, like recognize our own brokenness, recognize the way 
that we are not perfect, recognize the way that we might be critical or cynical that is hindering us from the flourishing relationships that we could have. And, you know, something my husband and I say very often is my way is not the best way. It is just, my way is not the best way or the way. It just is a way. <laughs> you know? mm, that's really so good. Different doesn't mean bad. And I think that's really the key to open-handedness. You know, of course, there's other things that we could talk about, but I wanted to start with that story there because I think it just demonstrates on the smallest scale how we're tempted to allow our way to be the only way. And that closes our hands and shuts us off from receiving and giving. Oh, that's so good. So from like, where does the turkey and cheese go to how do, how do we lead our, our mops group to how do we interact with our kids, friends and schools and our church and all the things. I mean, you know, we can laugh about the example, but honestly, I think it's so good because oftentimes, I mean, I I think I've had maybe that exact same thing happen to me and and I I was maybe not as gracious. Like the turkey does not go there. This is where it goes. Um, But maybe that's a bigger symptom to like bigger things that I need to control. So why do you think, and and I think men struggle with this too, but I've, I've been working with women for so long now that I, I really think sometimes women more so have this need to control. Mm-hmm. And when we see leaders who, you know, basically tell the rest of their leadership team, like, no, this is the way we do it. Yeah. And they're not open to listening to other ideas. We start to have problems. And that's where we, you know, have people calling us like, Hey, this isn't going well. What can I do? Right. So how do you take and transfer your lesson that you learned from your refrigerator <laughs> to do the bigger lesson of perhaps maybe leading within a, a group, say your mobs group or mm-hmm. other places? Yes. Okay. So I want to talk about integrity and wholeness. And I also want to talk about listening. Okay. So these, these are things when we are tight fisted as the example that you gave, and when we are doubling down on our way, and sometimes we do that because we feel like this makes me feel safe. This makes me feel secure. This is a way that I know exactly what the outcome is going to be, or at least predict it to the, to the best that I think it's going to end up. And sometimes we close ourselves off from the process and we close other people out from the process. But if we have folks, on our team, you know, like today, my mom, like I would consider me on her team and she's on my team and we have to be able to go there. There are several ways this could happen and what's going to make the household function best. And you know what group leading and serving is the same. It's like, you know what? One person can't dominate because we're all here and God gave each of us a voice and God gave each of us a perspective and God gave each of us, you know, a way of seeing and a way of contributing to this group dynamic. And so I think it's important that we figure out, okay, Am I operating in integrity here? You know, have I, have I released control in a way that would allow for collaboration? Have I surrendered enough of the gifts and talents that I have and the ways that I might be tempted to feel jealous of others or tempted to feel threatened by others or tempted to feel like, no, those are dumb ideas and I don't want to listen to them. You know, is there a way for me to sort of put that down and go, you know, integrity listens, a woman of integrity, a woman who's open-handed is willing to listen to her people. She's willing to collaborate with others. And I think sometimes the reason we 
don't want to do that is because, well, not just because we might want it our way, but also because we are nervous about how things are going to go or how long things are going to take. You know, we've all heard that phrase death by committee, right? We're going to sit and talk right. this thing to death and we're never going to get anything done. And so part of us, especially with little kids, we don't have much time, right? So we're like, I don't want to invite eight opinions because now I have to figure out what to do with all of them. Let's <laughs> go, go, because, go. Exactly. But just because you're listening and collaborating with others, it doesn't necessarily slow down the process, but it does take a little bit more time than just saying, Hey, here's what we're going to do. This is what it's going to look like. Let's keep it moving. But when you create a team and a group of women who are collaborative and who feel listened to, not only do you create a level of reciprocity that makes relationships rich, but then you also are operating in integrity. Like, Hey, I see you and you see me and I see what God brought you here to bring. And I want you to bring it. And so I think it's so important that we see each other and know each other. And I believe open-handed leading looks like that. It's like, everybody has a place here and everybody has something to give here. And I want to recognize that. And I think of course you have to be strong in boundaries and strong in convictions. Cause sometimes as the leader, you're going to make a decision that maybe not everyone agrees with. And that's okay too. Like there are times when you have to do that, but I think when people feel listened to. And when they feel connected and they feel like you're collaborating, it's okay to make a strong decision because everybody has brought a contribution. And that's really what we want to give. We want to be able to give to the thing that we're a part of. I love what you just said. Integrity listens. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we probably all have sat on those committees, the ones where you feel like you're dying death by <laughs> part of it is maybe because you didn't feel listened to, like you didn't yes. feel heard. Yes. Right. Like maybe you felt, no, like I really have something valuable to share. And then you were shut down or you weren't given the opportunity, or maybe your gifting wasn't necessarily valued like somebody else's. And so what a, what a great point. I just wanted to pause on that for a second. Integrity listens, because I think that's just yeah. something we could all put into practice and be better at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also not formulating your answer while someone's talking, but truly yes. listening. Yes, that's huge. <laughs> yes, that is very, very important. Listening not to respond, but listening to understand. Because real communication is about connection. That's actually what it's about. You know, um, when we listen to one another, when we communicate, it's for the purpose of connecting, for understanding one another. And that is what makes relationships great. Absolutely. Well, this year, our theme is all for love. And as leaders, we've been talking about having a posture of being all in, Mm. but also sharing with people that we come in contact with. We say uh, we want to love always and in always. Mm. So I want to say that again, we want to love always and in all ways. Mm. And I think right now in the world that we find ourselves in, Mm. um, that can be really hard because we already put up, you know, roadblocks of, oh, you're, you're this, or you're that. And so I can't interact with you, or you look different than me, or you believe different. And so we we're not loving in all ways, um, we're barely loving at all. Yes. So how do you see that playing out, not only in leadership, but just in your life as a mom, um, as someone who's a Christ follower, how do you see that? Um, and how can we maybe do that better? Yeah, I really, I love 
your theme. I'm very, very passionate about this. And, you know, I want to bring it back to something that I've already, you know, mentioned, but I think we really struggle with judgment and pride. And, you know, when I went back to my recovery journey, initially I started 18 years ago as an addict, you know, struggling with an eating disorder, drugs, abuse of alcohol. I went back at the beginning of my marriage because I realized in my marriage, what I was struggling with the most is I became a stonewaller and I didn't mean to be this way, but whenever we had a difficult conversation to have, I just would shut down. I felt like I couldn't speak. And through a process of working through where did this come from? What is the root? I realized there was a person in my life that I had not fully forgiven. And so I had this unforgiveness in my heart and I was clenching down and I was becoming the very thing that I hated because in that relationship with that person, they were always ignoring me. Every time I'd ask them a question, they would just stare straight ahead as if I wasn't speaking. And I had all this unforgiveness toward them. And because I was holding it, I kept repeating it. And so I'm, I'm sharing that story to say that I think when I went back for recovery. I went back for pride, control, and anger. Mm -hmm. And I just had to own those three things. And I had never really done that before. You know, it's just that deeper level of healing that sometimes God brings to us. But I realized, man, in my pride, I was doubling down on my way. And in my need for control, I was resisting what other people could bring to the table. I was resisting what I could receive. And I was also resisting giving to others. I was withholding, I was pretending and performing, and I was shutting down, you know, and in my anger, which I I still struggle with to this day, I think many mothers do. And it's sort of like this little thing that we hide away somewhere because we don't know what to do with it. And other people don't know what to do with it, but we have a lot of anger that stems from our anxiety, from our sense of hopelessness, our sense of not being able to do, you know, something to fix the problems that we're facing. And so a lot of us deal with these three things. And so to your question, I think pride is the very center of the reason that we can't love. And I think, you know, pride says my way is the best way. My way of doing faith is better than that mom over there. And my way of doing justice is better than that group over there. And my way of being a mother is better than that mom over there. And my way of doing family is better than that family over there. And I, my culture that I was raised with is better than those cultures over there. And so we begin to make these judgments and assumptions about others. And we close ourselves off to relationship. And we, we assume in our pride that we're better and that we know better and that we have nothing to learn. And I think part of becoming a person of love and part of becoming a person who is a true Christ follower and part of becoming a person who leads open-handedly is realizing there are other ways to do things and other people have different experiences and other people have different, you know, ways of being in the world. They were raised differently. They have different, you know, um, experiences that they also are exposed to. And because of that, we're going to see things differently. We're going to do things differently. We're going to mother differently. We're going to lead differently. We're going to serve differently. And that doesn't make everyone bad. In a lot of cases, it just makes everyone different. And of course we know that there is bad leadership out there, that there is abuse of power, that there's a lot of pain in, in so many leadership positions. And we do know that, but I think on the whole, part of the reason we struggle is because we judge people so harshly. And the center of judgment is pride because we are assuming that our way is better. And it's not, the way of Jesus. It's not the way of Christ. And I think another problem we have is that we are so into social media and news and all these different things. And I think that we base a lot of the ways that we love others or see others on, you know, politicians and pundits and internet preachers. And we pull their little quippy statements that work for a viral tweet or a viral video or a quick little thing on YouTube, but that stuff does not work in real life. Mm. 
you know, those judgments and those assumptions and all those things that you hear, it doesn't play well in real life. And so I think we're destroying a lot of our relationships because we're allowing ourselves to be formed by all of that stuff more than we're allowing ourselves to be formed by actual proximity to people and by the Lord himself. And I think we really need to repent and change. Oh, big, big amen on all of that. Um, yeah, I think we could just say, okay, thank you for joining us today. And that's all we needed to say. Um, I, I think so often, Ashley, and I, I find this frustrating as a leader, um, mm-hmm. trying to lead well, but also seeing so many people caught up in the 30 second soundbite or, yes. or the two sentence tweet, you know, the mm-hmm. how many words that you can do and they fit it all into that. And then they grasp onto that and say, yeah, I'm that too. And, and it leads us not to be in proximity with people. It leads us to close our fists and walk around with like fists of anger. Like you said, that pride and that anger, again, if we're picturing like keeping our fists closed, but when you're angry, you can't even squeeze them harder. Don't you, which makes it even tighter. Right. And so that, when you were saying that, I'm like that you see these people and, and at times I think I'm that person and you're just holding so tightly because you're angry Yes. and anger, you know, when it, when you leave a mark in your hands with your nails, like you're holding it so tight, you're squeezing the life out of it. Yes. We're we're squeezing the life out of love. And so trying to be, you know, in proximity with these people that we're leading, but also the people God entrusted in our life. That's it. And there, there's no tender space when you're this way. And I think that that's really what people need. I mean, if we all just get honest for a minute, like what I need most as a mom is tender space. I need merciful people. I need people who are a safe harbor, a respite, you know, and if we go around kind of, you know, being this judgmental, prideful person. And even if it's just online that people see that, you know, they're going to be less likely to come in our presence. They're going to be nervous. They're going to feel afraid. They're going to be worried to share what they really are, share who they really are, share what they've gone through. Maybe they've gone through a terrible experience that they're terrified to share. What if we could be the safe place? What if we could be the place that feels like tender mercy? What if we could be the place that feels like wisdom and not, you know, two second tweets and a a regurgitated idea from some YouTube video that we watched. What if we are people of wisdom and people of faith and people of mercy and people of love? I mean, people would be so attracted to that because it is so rare to find it. It is so difficult to find. And I really do think that God is raising up people of wisdom. And I think that any of us can have it. You know, he says it for anyone in in the book of James, it talks about anyone who asks for wisdom can receive it liberally and without reproach. And if you don't mind, I'd love to read what wisdom is. I love reading it. Um, It's in the book of James. It's, this is where I return when I find myself getting too quippy and too prideful. And when I, when I feel like I just want to respond to everything and, you know, here's where I go. Um, This is what it says in James three. I want to read it in the amplified version. It's a lot longer, but I felt like it's really important. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all, pure undefiled. Then it is peace, loving, courteous, considerate, 
gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering and insincerity. And I keep this with me all the time as a leader. And when I find myself, you know, not being a place that is pure, not being a person who is peace loving, not being considerate or gentle, even to people I disagree with, even to people that I would consider maybe even an enemy, which is who the Lord also tells us to love. You know, it's full of compassion. It's wholehearted and straightforward is what I'm offering people wholehearted and straightforward. Is it impartial and unfeigned? You know, like these are, this is a powerful way of understanding wisdom. And this is who I believe God wants us to be in the world. And this is the kind of leadership that I think the Lord loves to partner with, to just say, Hey, there's a lot of stuff out there that is judgmental and harsh. There's a lot of stuff out there that is not compassionate, not wholehearted, not straightforward, not telling the whole truth. But here we see what wisdom from above is. And that can be a guide for us as leaders to understand this tender place of mercy that God would allow us to be for others. Uh, That's so beautiful. Really, when you think about that, and of course, anytime we can take our instruction directly from scripture, it just is really where I think God wants our heart and our posture to be. Yeah. Um, And oftentimes I think we just think, oh, but it's just so lofty. That goal is so lofty to love because I don't always feel loving or I'm not, of course, I'm not always lovable. Right. Right. Um, Same by the way. I mean, I'm just being real. This is how yes, it is. Like that is. <laughs> but I, I want to share this story that happened to me a couple of weeks ago when I was traveling. And it's a way to lead, sort of like lead and live as a leader. And I don't share this to say, oh, look at what I did. But I share to say when you lead, other people will follow because that's yeah. what that's what leaders do. We lead. Yes. So getting ready to get on a plane, and there's this sweet mama, as you can, because mm. you have a nine-month-old. You can attest, she was, I could just kind of was watching her. I'm standing in line, I'm flying on Southwest. So I'm in the line and she is getting ready to go after the A-list people. And she's got way too much stuff with her. Yeah. (laughs) Got this giant bag and she's got a baby that just won't stop crying and people Mm. starting to be very judgmental in line. Like, oh my goodness, I hope I don't have to sit next to this screaming child. Well, as we're getting ready to go, she's up next. And I see that she gets ready to go and she drops her bag and everything in it Mm. starts just like rolling all over the floor. She starts crying. The baby is screaming. And so I just leave my place in line and I go where I'm like, let me help you. And so I just start picking things up and we have people literally stepping over us around us, avoiding all the things on the floor so that they can go get their seat. And I'm starting to just feel very annoyed because in that line are maybe I would say like my age, like middle-aged moms who have to remember that this most likely had happened to them at some point. Mm. So I pick everything up and I just, look at the lady who's taking tickets and she goes, go ahead. And I just take this mom with me and we walk down and I get her settled and she's just sobbing. Mm. And I just said, it's going to be okay. I promise. And she's like, what if he screams the whole time? Everyone's staring at me. And from behind us comes this couple and they're like, sweetie, we'll sit next to you. We have 14 grandchildren. (laughs) She goes, nothing bothers me. 
at all. And she said, I can hold your baby. And so, and the, the guy was like, yeah, I'll hold him too. It's no big deal. If he cries the whole time, he goes, I'm a great storyteller. I'll help you. And then <laughs> the lady behind them is like, here, how can I help you? Do you need some water? I have a bottle I haven't opened yet. Mm. It was just like they needed someone to just go first. Mm. But it's not what I did. It's what everybody did when they saw that, oh, we should love this mom, not judge oh. her, not like make her feel terrible because of the way her child is behaving or the way she couldn't get herself together. And mm. I thought, how often have I been the lady who couldn't get myself together and totally so appreciative of the person who came in with open hands to help me? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you shared that story. Not only because it's a perfect example and metaphor for how we should live life, but just this idea that we all need help to your point, like we all need help. And I think it's beautiful to remember in those moments when you see someone else who needs help, that we have needed help and we will need help again. It's yes. like that keeps the pride away. That keeps you humble, you know, is, is thinking that way. And so when you have a mom who comes into your group or someone who's different than you, like whatever the thing is, a family member that's difficult to love. It's like, I love how you started that story that we all feel unlovable sometimes and are unlovable sometimes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's true. We just need to help each other. And if think if we did that, we'd have a lot more regular rhythms of love. And of course there's boundaries and all the things that we need to watch and take care of ourselves as leaders, which I'm sure you you've covered and we'll cover again, but there is this thing, even that, that way of people stepping around you, mm -hmm. it's just so rare for someone to stop. It's so rare for someone to help. It's so rare for someone to see. And so I'm grateful that you did that. And I'm grateful that we can be those kind of people in this world that desperately needs it. <laughs> well, I think also, I mean, it was tempting. You want to get down there. You want to get your seat. You want to get settled. I was needing to work on a talk I was finishing before I, you know, gave this presentation. It would have been easier to just walk down. Right. And I thought if I truly say that I believe in love and this year has just spoken to my heart so deeply, like if I'm going to yeah. be all in not only with my leadership, but the way that I love people, then you stop and you do the hard things. And right. that's what I want our leaders to hear about that. Like we need to lead, stop, do the hard thing and then move forward. Yeah, it's powerful. So Ashley, I want to ask you, what do you think living open-handedly tells us about God himself? Like how, how do you view your relationship, which you kind of shared with Jane reading from James, mm. but how do you see that direct correlation with the way that God loved us so openly? Mm -hmm. And then how can you live that out in your life? Yeah. Gosh. Well, I think about, you know, being loved when I was, wow. I mean, if you could, if you guys could have met me in like 2002, you'd be like, who is this girl? She is a hot mess. You probably would not have stopped for me straight up. <laughs> and I, think about that girl all the time. And I hope that I keep her in my heart forever mm. because it is like, I, I can literally still picture myself as if it was yesterday. And I think about how hard it would have been to accept me and to welcome me. And yet God did. And so many people did 
and like so many people who love the Lord welcomed me. And it was the hardest thing because I did not change immediately. And you know what? They didn't demand it of me, even the way I dressed, the way I talked, I cursed like a sailor, you know, I smoked cigarettes. Like it's all the things, you know, it's like, I just had so many problems and seeing how God loved me and how he brought people into my life to love me. And Mm. that I began this wonderful process of change. And I think all along the way, God was, um, wonderfully, you know, reminding me that I still had a capacity to serve. So sometimes I think even in our brokenness, even in our journey, like, while I'm still smoking cigarettes, but I'm no longer doing like five other things that I was doing, you know, like I I feel like we think to ourselves, I have to get it all together before I can open my hands and serve others. And God was so faithful along the way to remind me, no, you serve where you are, like on your process, on your journey. It doesn't mean that you don't have something to offer. It doesn't mean you have to clean everything up before you can begin to give to others and serving people has always been not only a catalyst to my own freedom and breakthrough and capacity to give compassion to the world, but it has also been this thing that has kept me alive. Like it has reminded me of others. It's kept me from going too far inward, you know, keeping my heart open, keeping my heart focused outward has allowed me to grow and stay healthy. And so even in those places where you feel like I don't have anything to give, You know, we have to figure out a way to offer grace, figure out a way to offer compassion to others. And because of that reminder, I think that, you know, through this whole process, I was able to give and to serve and to lead others, even when I wasn't perfect. And guess what? I'm not perfect now. And I no longer have that expectation of myself or of other people. I allow them to serve in their process. And I know they're on a journey with God. And so I try not to, you know, judge them where they are, because that's how God's been with me this whole last 18 years of walking with them. That's how he's been with me. And in Matthew five, the message version, Mm -hmm. it says to keep open house and to be generous with your lives. And it says by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. And so I think sometimes we make it way more complicated than it should be, but it's really just keeping an open heart and an open hand and a welcome to others. It's like, Mm. come in, my house is a wreck, but welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Come on in. My soul is a little bit a wreck right now, but I'm glad you're here. You know, and just being able to sit with people and be with them and journey with them. I think that right there um, demonstrates to people who God is and that he doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't wait for us to get our act together before he loves us. And he doesn't wait for us to be perfect before he welcomes us. He just brings us right in. And that is such a comfort. And I think, especially to moms of little kids, it's a comfort to know that you don't have to be perfect, that you don't, your kids don't have to be acting right all the time. You don't have to be not angry some days or not anxious some days or not very uncertain some days. You can just come in like you are. And what a wonderful knowledge, what a way of being able to receive and give God's love. Absolutely. And that's really our prayer, Ashley, is that everybody who decides, yeah, I'm going to try this thing called mops out, Mm -hmm. that they would encounter a group full of leaders and moms that are just like them, that struggle, that aren't afraid to tell you, like, I'm kind of a mess today. And this is the best I could offer. And I hope that's okay. And for someone in return to, to say, not only is it okay, but it's understood and there's solidarity in that to say we are a mess, but thanks to the grace and the love of Christ, you know, he covers all that mess. That, that is what we find is beautiful when we have mops groups and we have mops groups all around the world. We have them Mm. in, you know, 71 countries. And so to know that that love um, is a universal language. Love yes. is a universal language. It, oh, it yes. works everywhere you go. 
Yes. Just to love people. Oh, it's so beautiful. And when, as soon as you said that, I just pictured presence, you know, like not actual gifts, but the Mm -hmm. presence, like that's what it, that's what it, that's what love is. You know, it's willing to be interrupted. It's willing to take time. It's willing to just let presence be enough. You know, you don't have to bring extra. It's just like your presence is enough. Like being here together is enough. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful. I love what you're doing and what you're building. (laughs) Well, it's it's been very valuable to thousands upon thousands of moms. And I'm very thankful for that. I want to share one thing that I feel helps me love better because I know that I can trust God. It's my life birth. And so um, it's Proverbs three, five, and six, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Mm. And for me, when I lean not on my own understanding, because oftentimes like I might not understand the situation. And so I become really tight fisted because I'm like, I want to control it. I don't understand yeah. it. And so I hold it tight and I clench those fists, but being able to live and lead open-handedly means in all your ways, acknowledge Mm -hmm. him. And that trust, when we're trusting in God, we tend to open our hands because we can't hold on to him if we're holding on to ourselves. So that is something that has helped me as well. I would love for you just to tell our audience one thing that you think, um, or two or three, whatever you want to say, just to, to live this out, like give us some tangible ways that you think we could live open-handedly. Okay. So the first thing I would say to you is fight against perfectionism because perfectionism will tell you that you have to have it all together, that you have to be right all the time, that you have to look the right way, that you have to be the right way. You have to say all the right things and it will cut you off from real relationship. It'll cut you off from honesty. It will cut you off from integrity and wholeness. And you'll begin to pretend and perform or control. So I think whatever you do fight against perfectionism, it's not real. It's not a joy. It will kill you. You know, um, Anne Lamott says the voice of perfection is the voice of the oppressor. <laughs> and I love that because True. It is. so fight against perfectionism. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing is to root yourself in real relationships. And I'm talking about reciprocal, honest relationship where you are seen and known and where other people give you the privilege of seeing and knowing them. And that means doing exactly what you talked about already, which is sharing if you're having a bad day or asking for prayer when you really, really need it or telling somebody, look, the best, best I have to offer today is putting my feet on the floor and showing up in the world. So like today, mm-hmm. that's my best. And also sharing your joys. You know, one of the things that I really have struggled with throughout my life is telling people my successes. Mm-hmm. I struggle at it so much and I don't know how to celebrate and I don't know how to share my joy with others. I, I have never like wanted to feel like a big braggart or like whatever, but share in your joy, like discipline yourself to also offer that to bring your whole self to the table in relationship with others. That I think is huge. And um, that friendship that you share with others will carry you through hard times. It will carry you through changes. It will carry you through suffering. It will carry you through difficulties with your children or if with your partner, if you have one, it will carry you through the seasons of life, knowing that you have people in your corner, knowing that if stuff hits the fan at three o'clock in the morning, you've got mm-hmm. someone to call knowing that there are people in your life that will show up for you. And, and again, give you the privilege of doing the same. And the last thing I want to say is, you know, continue to glean from the wonderful wisdom that's here in you, Sherry, you're so amazing. And I love you so much. And 
you know, continue to find those women or those people who inspire you and people who have that wisdom I talked about earlier, not people who are full of, you know, um, I don't know, pride on one side or the other, or this way or that way, but somebody who's just wise that you think like, this is a person of wisdom. And when they speak, I will listen. And I think having those people, no matter their age, they might be 15 and full of wisdom. They might be 60 and full of wisdom. Like just find those people who are wise because that will keep you connected to the truth of God. Mm. And I think if you can do those three things, your life will feel fuller it will feel richer. And again, you'll be able to show up in an honest way in the world, open-handed leadership, you know, and this is a really powerful topic that you've created here. So those are my, my little pro tips. <laughs> well, they're wonderful. We um, are so thankful to call you friend. I feel very blessed to personally call you friend, but also that you're a friend to our mops, moms, and our leaders. And so Ashley, I would love for you because you have uh, a new book coming out, mm. but you also have another really amazing book and then you're a podcaster. So can you tell us please where we can find you um, after today? Yes, I would love that. Well, I wrote two books called Rise of the Truth Teller and that really deals details my story and my journey in life and that recovery that I've talked about. And then I just read a book called Love is the Resistance, which talks about the reasons that we fight and what we can do about it. <laughs> and my podcast is called Why Though? And um, I'm on Instagram the most. If you want to come say hi over there or connect, I would, I would love to. It would be a privilege to connect with any moms, man. Solidarity. I love y'all. <laughs> Solidarity. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for just the way that you so authentically show up in the world. We just love you so much. And leaders, I know that you were blessed by this conversation today. I know I was. Thank you for listening to Connections, the podcast. And we look forward to the next time where we can be together. 